Welcome to Leukemia Cast. I am your host, Deirdre Kane. Leukemia Cast is a five-part series for you to hear all about life with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, getting insights from patients, their families, and their healthcare professionals through their personal stories. Leukemia Cast has been developed by Children's Health Ireland (CHI) at Crumlin, with the support of Servier Laboratories Ireland. In this episode, we talk to Kim Murray, who is a social worker at Crumlin Children's Hospital. Children with ALL and other childhood diseases need support in understanding their diagnosis and how this may impact their everyday life. The social worker helps families navigate through their journey of treatment, both psychologically and logistically. Kim, welcome to this podcast. Can you tell us about the role of the social worker in the care of a patient like Kira, who we spoke to previously? Um, uh, yes, when I walk into a family, when I meet them first when they're diagnosed, I introduce myself as a medical social worker. And it's funny, I often get funny looks because um, generally society um, sees social workers' role as, as one that takes children into care. And would you believe I often get a look, it's like, I didn't cause this. I mean, there's nothing I did wrong. And and that actually often happens because parents automatically feel guilty that there probably was something they did wrong. But this is what we do. We joke about the social worker. The social worker will, will come and take away. When I introduce myself to a parent is to say I'm a social worker, but I'm not a social worker, as you would know, as a child protection social worker. I'm a medical social worker. And my role as a medical social worker is to support families not just the child, but the whole entire family, um, the, the parents, the siblings and the diagnosed child. Brilliant. Thank you. Tell me how a diagnosis of ALL affects children and adolescents. I would say when a family comes through the door first, they, they meet with the consultants, they get the diagnosis. Um, they're shocked, overwhelmed, terrified. The first thing that comes into their mind, as I mentioned, is what did I do wrong? How did I not see this? Why did I not go to the doctor sooner? Guilt, blame, overwhelming is, is the overwhelming emotions that parents experience. And then, as I say, for the children themselves, it's fear, it's anxiety. And for adolescents, um, they're a little more cognitively in tuned, you know, so say when they're a little bit older, so they really kind of know what's going on here. Children just know they're sick, but mommy and daddy are here, um, which is the great thing about how uh, medicine has developed over the years, that parents are always there making sure that, that they're calm and settled once the parent is with them all the time. So older children uh, can have experience more fear and anxiety because they really realize the seriousness of this. And given modern um, medicine, um, um, the consultants, how they've been trained is that the children are included in all the conversations. From from what age, Kim, is a, a child involved in the conversation, the medical conversations? Um, the child will always be there. But um, okay, if one of the things that consultants will, will do in the very beginning, they'll ask parents, because it's very important to ask parents, you know, what their beliefs are in terms of including or not including children in conversations. Because from the outset, depending on the diagnosable with ALL, children are very often included because the success rate is 80%. Okay. So that would be included. Not always the case in, in, in some cancers, but certainly in this because the outcomes are good. So children will be included from, from day one, but consultants would recommend children are included um, f- f- right up, even when they do understand, um, because they feel it's really important to, to, to alleviate anxiety. Children need to understand. That's important to hear that. It will, it, it's not 
people I think sometimes think if they give a child too much information, it's it's too much on them. But actually, it's the opposite. It, it is 100 percent the opposite, because what you might leave out. So say, for example, the, 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 typically what happens is um, the, the consultant will explain to the child in front it's developmentally appropriate. It might explain about how um, your blood is not well and one sp- this is, is not working properly and we're going to give you some medicines to make. But with older children, they literally will talk about blood counts and they will literally give them uh, an, an adult version. Yeah, they actually understand the science. Yes, so it's, that's right. They will, and, the, and usually the children get really into and really unfollowed un- because information really helps. I think that's why we had Kira, you know, wanting to go on to be a nurse. They, they oh, become that's very, very interesting. Hugely so. And doctors and psychologists working in this area. So it's very important that children, but the big fear is, and this is what's important for parents to understand when they're diagnosed or to consider. Um, I always believe, I'd always preface it by saying that parents know their children best and they're the experts on their child. The doctors are the experts on their medicine and they work together as a team to make the right decisions for the families. So we always try to get to know, part of my role would be to try and get to know the family, get to know the child, get to know their form of communication. Because they may not have been a family that talked openly about everything. Well, that was exactly what I was going to ask you next, Kim. How can the social worker, you, support the child or the adolescent? Um, The social worker's main focus is is working with parents, actually. Okay. Yeah, so our, that would be our main focus. So, so starting off meeting with parents. So when I meet a family, um, I would, would immediately ask them to tell me the story of their journey. Because not they, the parents will tell you how they came, came to be diagnosed, um, the amount of times they went to the hospital. Sometimes it could be many times, many times they went to the... But as they're telling the story, they're processing psychologically, emotionally what's happening here. So it's really important to hear the story. And then it's also important to, to hear, will you tell me a little bit about your child to get to know, to start immediately personalizing and individualizing the work with the families and tell me about the child and the person. Now, if the child is there, you'll ask the child, um, you know, where do you go to school, what your interests are. Um, uh, school is really important for young children. Um, it may be the things they're interested in at home. For adolescents and slightly older, tell me a little bit about school. It's very often sports, it could be music. Sports can be huge because the implications for sports is huge. And their whole identity might be around their art, uh, their acting, their music, their GAA, their rugby. And suddenly that's th- their whole identity is threatened. Because there there's a fear that the things that they love and they're passionate about are going to be taken away from them. Yes. Okay. And um, so they, they, when we start, you see, um, the, 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 the challenge is when we meet, we don't have one meeting. This is the start of a two and a half to three and a half year journey. So these conversations take place over a course of the first time we meet parents. It's um, I try to alleviate their worries by mentioning all the supports that are available. Yeah, I think this is important to say to the parents who are listening, you are very much on their side. You're the support for them, right? You can help them a lot. Imagine this, you or I 
our professionals getting up today, going to work, getting the kids ready, pack the bags off to school and off you go. We're going to pick them up after school and we're going to uh, drop them off to Johnny to rugby and Mary to rugby also perhaps, okay. <laughs> you know, but whatever the activities will be. So you're in this room, you get this uh, cancer diagnosis and it's completely overwhelming. You're absolutely terrified. The f you, go you automatically go to the worst place. It's cancer. Um, and the way we grew up in our society, cancer means that your child might die. Now, I, I, I hate to say that, but that's, I'm only verbalizing what parents think. Over 12 years of being here, that's where they go to, I think my child is going to die. But then they spend time with the CNS that you've met. Uh, um, clinical nurse, yes. Clinical nurse specialist. The consultant will tell you, give you all the information that you need to know about the kind of, information is key. So you're getting all this information from the consultant and that will help you make the decisions and it alleviates fear. So you get all this information, um, then you, when I come in, I ask to, to families to tell me about their story, how they got here, tell me a little about the child, and, and I ask them to tell me about the, the diagnosis. Because while I know the diagnosis for many years, um, I want to hear what they heard. And then I can liaise back to the family if they misunderstood anything. Because I might ask the story again the second day and the third day. So it's making sure that the information is being received and processed. Processed is important. Processed is important because it's overwhelming. So when you get a cancer diagnosis, so you've just been told that your child has a life-threatening diagnosis. When you're meant to be at your best to concentrate uh, and to focus and pay attention on the information that you're receiving, uh, you're at your worst because you've just been told that your life your child's life's in danger. So physically you can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't think, you feel sick, and cognitively you can't focus and you can't concentrate. And psychologically you feel this enormous fear and anxiety uh, and trauma and breathlessness. It's completely overwhelming. So you're at your worst when you're meant to be at your best. So we understand that from years of experience of coming in to meet a family. So we would say that you're probably worried you, well, I'll ask, what's the, what's the fir first thing on your mind? Um, it could be often, it, it, it generally is, first is, oh, my child could die. This is life-threatening. And second of all, and this is really significant, how am I going to pay the mortgage? I'm really glad that you said that because it's a something I don't think is talked about enough. Um, people have real financial worries. What, what do you yeah. say to them now, when they express that? I, I have to say, from all my years of experience here, we're dealing with very proud parents, very proud, independent parents. So wh when, after about two or three days, it takes two or three days to process all this information. And after you say, oh my God, the, the first and foremost is that your child's life is in danger, your child's life is being threatened. And then I'm going to have to, sp the, you're getting a feel because at the early days you're really getting a feel for the implications of the treatment. There's going to be two and a half for a girl, three and a half for boys. For 24 hours a day you have to monitor the side effects and you have to monitor for temperatures and you have to jump and run. Within three hours you have to be into the hospital for the risk of uh, um, the children having seizures because of uh, if they get high temperatures. So, so life changes, overnight your life, life changes. Life changes, but it means one parent can't work. Now that if there's two, if you're lucky enough to have two parents. So one parent can't work. So in uh, most is that families, always the case, Kim? That one parent in my experience has to stop working. In my experience, okay. yes, because the demands of this treatment is so great. 
um, because as I'm as I was saying, you see, you it, 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 there, there's a couple of questions here. One is that uh, financially um, is one part, but the second part of it is you don't want anybody else sitting beside that bed other than yourself. Of course. So there's two aspects of yeah. it. And uh, one is financial. So generally speaking, the average, and it's, the, it's just because of the nature of the cancer in young children, their co children are coming here young and parents are both working. So um, one parent usually pays the mortgage, the other person runs the, you know, that's for a normal yes, family. Yes, runs the home. Yeah. So one, one mortgage down, so that could be Okay, so, so you've lost a salary. So you've lost a salary, so I would immediately say, were you wondering about that? That always be a question I'd ask, because there are quite a lot of benefits available. And as you said, people are proud. They're, they're, they're almost too proud to ask as well, oh, to ask the question. That's what, the, how will we manage? The, that's the challenge. So I just, in, just for your information, uh, I'd like you to just be aware that there's a lot of benefits here. We're not going to go into them today, but it could be day one, day two, day three, that's beginning to festers panic if yes. I'm going to have to spend time in this hospital. And an understandable panic. For, for any parent who's listening, I, I think there's a guilt associated there because maybe my worry should just be about the illness, but you're entitled to be worried. Your financial security is important. All of They're all pieces of this puzzle. Yes, because the diagnosis, as I was saying, doesn't just affect the child. It affects the parents and affects the whole household. It affects all the siblings as well. Um, so, so now, there was a lovely compliment paid to you earlier when they were just saying that um, often you would just come arrive with the forms and have a lot of it filled and just say, sign this. I want you to sign this. I want you to sign here. Tell me about that. That's um, about the benefits, presumably. Well, that are yes, available. I, I do. I, we, we try to as, as, as the social work team to do that because we appreciate that. Um, <laughs> actually, your mum only told me some time ago, um, she said, Kim, I remember you coming in and asked me to fill out a form. I couldn't do it and you know you learn I when I hear that once it registered so I would be I'd be very familiar with the forms and know what to write and what to say but I would go to a parents and just say that I've filled out this for you and just sign it it's because you, it's overwhelming I think that's Can the, I give the you kindest idea? deed you could do for anybody because I would be that parent I'd be overwhelmed by forms I think I'd be and we're all different I think I'd be good at hearing the signs I'd be good at that but the forms that that's where it all that's where I the blinkers come yeah on for and me. It's, it does and you 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 you, you find it because like what I'm going in with is, is, is a couple of things. Now here, there's a grant from the Irish Council Society, it's 3,000 euros, very helpful. There's a grant from Avery's Pink Tie, which is 3,000 euros. They give 1,500 and 1,500 as you go along. So immediately, now please don't worry, there's going to be some grants there, they'll help you to get settled and just see what the implications are. So w our conversations happen over a period of time. So I, I would initially say, I'm, there's going to be a lot of benefits and we're going to do them over the next day or two. But I'll say in two minutes what they are. You're going to get a couple of grant here and you're going to get a grant from the government. You're going to get a carer's allowance and a domiciliary allowance. Now, it sounds like a lot, Kim, but I'm going to intervene because I know it won't add up to a whole salary. It won't cover it all. Correct. And I do say that in, in from the outset. But it's a help. It's a start, yes. right? It is. It is a help and it is a start. Um, so that's the financial benefits. So, um, so, so our role probably the most significant part of our role and it, it is um so I I, I I joke with the children it's okay I, i'm not wearing green i'm not blue i just chat to mom and dad so i chat to mom and dad a lot so the reason i'm chatting to mom and dad a lot is we actually are doing an assessment 
um, of the families, what their strengths are and what their challenges are. So we would know, for example, if, if, um, if there's an Irish granny in or two Irish grannies or two Irish granddads who will drive you to Timbuktu and back. They're really significant, or a sister or a brother. So they're really, so, you're, so you, as you're chatting, you know, I've, have you got somebody to help you? And again, it's, it's encouraging. So our work is to encourage parents, the proud, independent parents, and sometimes this can take a lot of encouragement to accept that support, because this is overwhelming and you cannot do it alone. You, you really can't do it alone. So I think this is a really important message. I've yes. said it several times and we just reiterate it. Accept the help. If you're lucky enough as well to have. If you're lucky enough. If a you parent, have a grandparent or a yeah. sister or a brother who will give that time. And as we've said, they want to give it less yes. them. Oh, yes. They, uh, yes. I mean, and that that's a beautiful thing you've just said. And, th- you know, th- can we help? Can we help? People ask, can we help? And you say, no, no, it's fine. We're, we're grand. We're, we're coping. You're depriving people who love you and care for you, allowing them the privilege of helping you. And another thing I, I, I find helps the very, very proud people when they see all of these grants. They don't want the grants. They're for people who need it. I hear that almost every day. And um, I, I try to which is a noble attitude, I understand yeah. it. And I guess if you don't need it, that, that's good. That's but a, what that's does help but sometimes is, well, I, I, there's people out there running up and down mountains collecting money. Fundraising. For St. John's Ward, yes. And there's people uh, they're doing walks, they're doing swims. Even the 3,000 women ran into the sea naked. Yeah, and and I've 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 been known to joke maybe after your treatment you might run into the sea naked and so when you leave here maybe you could come back and help us but please honor all of those who've been doing all of this to help us on this journey just because it's long it's a long yeah. journey it's two and a half so please allow the help because this burden is so great that that will carry you through and then please think of helping us. Forward. Exactly. And that kind of oh, that can resonate sometimes. So please, I would appeal to parents to accept all the help that is there. So that's on the financial side is the very proud piece. But then on the psychological and emotional piece of, of the, this journey, which is the, probably the most significant, I think our role is to help parents to develop. The vast majority of parents cope with a little bit of help. Some families, maybe about 20 to 30 percent, need a lot more input and a lot more skills, and that they might be the families that don't have as much support at home, like with grandparents or brothers and sisters. They could be single and parents. Will, I presume there will be some people. You must have people here who are non-nationals who oh, yes. grandparents are abroad. Oh, absolutely, they, they don't have the same amount of mm-hmm. family and help as others. Yeah, it's not a uh, level. We had one very proud Eastern European man here recently, and. Um, he was he was he was very he was very angry the whole time, and we were we spent a lot of time enormous amount of time with him, and we realised that he was he was he was a beautiful soft gentleman, underneath it all, but he was angry because he'd come here 14 years ago, he now couldn't pay the rent. His wife had a baby at home and another little baby at home, and they came here to pursue their life, and now. Um, there was all this help, and the, the, the help, the financial brought him to tears, for starters, but he realised that he couldn't, over the three and a half years, be able to pay the rent 
So we had to pack up and go home to where he came from. So Irish people, please, are who have the families, the grannies, allow them to come in and allow them to help. Because our, our role would be then, the two most important parts of our role is, is two, what we call psychoeducation and, and, uh, and social support. So psychoeducation is making sure families have all the information that they need and they understand. Because information about the diagnosis, the impact it's going to have on the child, say the impact, and the CNSs do this as well. Do we all try and do a little piece of it? What's the impact of the treatments going to be? How it's going to affect their behavior? And never to forget about the siblings at home. Because they start off, um, I, uh, mom said to me the other day, I came in here overnight um, and I didn't go home for three weeks. And I said to the kiddies at home, I'd be home tonight, and they didn't go home for three weeks because they were here. Okay, so, so these children are understanding, they do, and they happen on every family's journey. It is unpredictable. Yes. So the children at home, we have to watch out for. So we have to watch out for change in behavior, change behavior in school, change behavior in um, in in their schoolwork. So it's it's vital that we. These are the comments. This is why we talk a lot. <laughs> Because these are all, and we can't all do this in and one meeting. I, I think this is refreshing. I mean, my God, back in the day, we didn't talk about anything. And communication is... Oh, communication here is key. And then key. communication with uh, with all the, all, all the, the, the team. Um, so try to be open. Would that be a message you would send to parents as well? Try to be open with the social worker. Try to be open with... You're a team. You actually oh. do become a team. You, the clinical nurse, the parents. No, I'm and sorry. The child. It's more than that. We become a family. You become a family. We Gosh, absolutely become a family because how that happens is this is a tough journey, and sadly, children do suffer, and as a result of that, parents want to be here all the time, and they withdraw socially from their friends and their supports, and their, so they're losing all that. They're losing their work support. They're losing social support so they hear and they hear all the time and we're here and we're in the room daily and we do see the suffering so we understand so we actually end we end up talking quite a lot yeah, and you are the new we have heart to hearts so that psycho education piece is the knowing what to expect on the medical side knowing what to expect in the children at home but having somebody to talk to who understand and that includes everybody on the team we've got lovely ladies called Chrissy and Helen who bring the tea ourselves we've we've the place we'll get on to the all I, the, I the want to ask you about because I'm aware that we don't have a normal right. time so that's what I wanted to ask you next w will you tell me about the complementary therapies so the the the, um, the complementary therapist will will meet with, with the children and the parents and she will do complementary therapy so it includes aromatherapy um, and uh, reflexology. Now reflexology actually helps with nausea and it helps with relieve pain and not to mention the relaxation um, uh, benefits I, I of it no all. I idea that Indian that, head that massages. Um, the teenage, teenage boys just love. <laughs> Indian head massages, no surprise. And, and for some reason boys and their heads, getting their heads And their feet. Oh, they and their feet. They love, they won't, you know, and it's wonderful. and. The other thing they tend to do is they tend to chat to Olive, where they mightn't chat to others. And then she will also do a little bit of mindfulness and uh, she will do a little bit of breathing exercises. So what the, the mindfulness is helping with the anxiety and the breathing exercise also helps with anxiety, of course, as well. A little bit of mindfulness is kind of trying to stay in the present, not to worrying about the future 
and what the future might bring. So it's amazing. Now, play therapy goes to the younger children. Um, so this art therapy might be for older children and crafts and things like that. So we have play therapists on the ward and they will have appropriately uh, games to help as distractions. But more importantly, play also helps with painful techniques. So say if children had a needle phobia, in comes the play and they will do exercise to help you with that. So it's practical as well. Um, then we have music therapy. And that's just wonderful. We, Tuesday afternoons, two o'clock, you've got to go onto the ward. There's music playing. Everybody comes out of the room and there's dancing on the corridors. Uh, on Tuesdays, there used to be clown doctors, but since the pandemic, they're not coming in. But the music therapy goes into each child's room and does individual music therapy with them, helping them play, brings in all kinds of things and plays with them. So we've got complimentary, we've got music, we've got, and something very, very new, we have pet. We have a, a kennel just been built this at the back the of the ward. Kennels. Yes, Ooh. to bring pets in. So that's new. And that's another world leading, I think, for us to be doing something like that. So all the I hope I didn't miss out any of the therapy. So these are these are what we actually do for children on the ward here. And these are the things that make a big difference to their lives. And then mom and dad can go for a cup of tea. I, that's so important. I like I hope that people who are listening realize you don't have to be everything for your child. There's there's help within the system, like the mindfulness and the therapy and the music and the play and the yeah. reflexology. All of those things are there. Yeah. Just that they know. And Just also they know they're not the only person who's going to nurture them. No. Love um, them. And, and, and this is voluntary. If, if I come in and I'm talking too much, they can, you know, to say I'm a bit tired today. You know, it's, this is not compulsory. It's only if you wish. And we, we now would have what we've learned over the years is that for for these um, what to help parents say to deal with children at home with anxiety, we have now websites available to help a child. So it's like um, self learning, self guided. So because you don't want to be here, you want to go home. So we're developing um, these little um, podcasts are fantastic. Exactly what you're doing. Um, little clips to how to manage anxiety with children, how if they manage sleepiness or how to manage behaviours, what to spot for at home. So there's all these little things we're developing because parents want to get home out of yes, here really, of really quickly. Listen, speaking of home, uh, Kira and her parents uh, talked about that phenomenal moment in September 21 when Kira got to ring the bell in Crumlin. Will you tell us about the bell? The bell? Uh, it's, I, I have two, personally, I have two, sometimes I might be in a room with another parent and the bell is going. Or there might be other children on the ward who may have, um, uh, who may not have such good news. But the bell is just a significance to say that they've come to the end of the treatment and all of the team, all of the family. Now it's a very, very emotional day because in a way you're leaving this family that you've come to know. So you're meeting the same lady who makes the tea, you're meeting the same girl or nurses, the same doctors, the same consultants, the and same social workers. The, the staff as well as the we, uh, patient. It's, uh, we, it, it's, uh, we never forget a child that comes through through this journey because it is it is two and a half to three and a half years. And if the child relapses and goes through additional therapy, it can be more than that. It can be five or six years or more. So we really do, uh, and, and, and parents are not spending so much time where they were. They're spending a lot of their time here. So it's, it is deeply emotional. There's tears uh, for all concerned. There's, there's, there's always lots of tears, but they're tears of joy 
and tears of challenge because we've been through a lot and we've seen a lot with family. So it's a wonderful day when we hear the bell going. You put that beautifully. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time, Kim. You're very welcome. Many thanks, Kim, for talking to us today and helping us to understand how the social worker helps families navigate through their journey of treatment, both psychologically and logistically. In the next episode, we will meet Professor Owen Smith, who is Professor of Paediatric and Adolescent Medicine at Our Lady's Children's Hospital, Crumlin, and the Chief Academic Lead to the Children's Hospital Group. We will hear how the treatment of leukaemia has developed over the years through clinical research and how patients are now being better treated.